the Love Boat won't be seen tonight, so we can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about Quantum Leap. I can't think of another theme song that does not fit a show more than the Quantum Leap theme song. Goofballs. I love this show so much, and I had forgotten. Of course, when I was like 10 and this was on, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Oh, but, yeah. Well, they churched yeah. it up for the fifth they did uh, season. I then. think uh, Mike Post left the show because he did create the uh, theme song, yeah. and then I'd leave the show too. That was my <laughs> contribution. I think, he, I think he did most of the music for the first four seasons, but then they had somebody else come in, and it. And I got to be honest, the fifth season, that theme song, it's even worse. Well, yeah, but it's very nice. It loses all of the '80s charm. <laughs> uh, anyway, so welcome to First Loves. This is our second installment. Yes. Uh, we did cover uh, Six Million Dollar Man last week. If you have not listened to it yet, please give it a listen. Yes, uh, Steve Austin. It's a really fun show. <laughs> Six Million Dollar Man is the epitome of the '70s, much like to me, Quantum Leap is the epitome of the '90s or the '80s. Even though it was mostly in the 90s. Late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, that time period was all kind of, you know, you got gray area. There's uh, a lot of similarities in these two shows. There are. That yeah. we'll bring up, but uh, very similar in terms of... The one thing about this show and The Six Million Dollar Man, one thing that they share is neither of these shows really knew what they were. <laughs> no, no, they but, just kind of went with whatever. For both of them, it really worked to their benefit rather yeah. than their detriment. Yeah. It's very rare for a show to be... So confused about itself, and yet, <laughs> and yet, still be so successful, so entertaining. Well, kind of. I, I do think the Six Million Dollar Man was a lot more popular than Quantum Leap was. Maybe, yeah, I guess. But the diehard fans, the leapers. Oh yeah, you know. Well, I mean, they did. They brought it back. I mean, they brought back another show. So I mean, obviously, there's there's some popularity there. They did, and they did a really cool thing. Rather than like the abomination that is the Magnum remake, the oh, abomination. <laughs> They made this a continuation of the show. Yeah. It's which a is sequel, great. a yeah. sequel essentially. Yeah. Which we'll we'll get to that. And it's and it's good. I'm actually surprised. I hadn't watched it until we decided we were gonna cover this. And, Same. and I'm I'm kind of surprised by how much I'm enjoying it. I am too. I'm waiting for the episode where they explain uh, Al's fashion choices. <laughs> I, never. I, I, never. I I, uh, I told Adam as we were watching the finale that I just see Al going like, I'm gonna put on this. Weird costume, so <laughs> Just, Sam thinks that fashion is so bizarre. Once he found out he had a Swiss cheese brain, he yeah. was like, I'm going to confuse him. Yeah, I'm going to order from Magicians R Us. <laughs> uh, there's a great website. I don't remember what it's called. It's Al's like, Imaging Chamber or something, but it goes through every episode, and it literally has a section of what Al wore during nice. that, that episode. Nice. It would have must have been fun for him to put on that costume. made no sense. It, was supposed to be, it came out in 89. It was supposed to be set in 95, and the, literally the first... Ten seconds of the of the show is him in some weird twenty fifty Ferrari. Yeah, like it didn't make any sense. The the leaps of technology <laughs> that people imagine within just a few years is I know, ridiculous. I know, I it's know. like all of a sudden everything changes. It takes forever. Yeah, if they had just done that with the internet, they would have been right. No, yeah. look yeah. at you. Anyway, I love Quantum Leap. Uh, it's what kind of started my love affair with time travel, uh, and I love oh, yeah. the idea of a guy being lost in time trying to find his way home. It's funny watching it. When did what? How old were you when you started watching this? Uh, ten or eleven. Yeah. I, 
It was on 10 o'clock a lot, too, right? Yeah, yeah, quite a, quite a bit. And it was, I made my parents let me stay up to watch it. Nice. Like, I, I shouldn't say made my parents. I asked. And you they tied them like, okay. up. <laughs> Listen, old people. Um, your parents just came out to visit. It was they very did. lovely. Yeah, they're, yeah. Uh, I'm the Farkle champion of the world. You so. are, actually. <laughs> um, sorry, guys. But, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's a lot more adult than... Yeah. The Six Million Dollar Man is essentially a kid show. It's more, much more family that, friendly. That didn't yeah. dumb it down for adults. No, it, it had something for everybody, but it was essentially a show for kids. Yeah, yeah. I think this is more a show for adults. Yeah, because of the melodrama. Yeah, and some oh, of the yeah. themes. It was oh, like, yeah. damn, dude, you were watching some pretty serious I, stuff. They covered some some pretty heavy stuff uh, from the get go. <laughs> yeah, it's just really weird to see Scott Bakula as a black dude, <laughs> you know, coming in and solving racism. <laughs> it's, <laughs> well, but that's the nineties. Apparently, he apparently he didn't. Uh, it didn't. It, it took it took a white guy going into a black guy to have him stand up and sit at the counter. I'm just a whole saying. new level of savior complex. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it, Which it, ironically, Sam Beck. As is the epitome of the savior. Complex. Oh yes, yes. But yeah. his heart is in the right place. He's not. He you know, he's he's a boy scout. He's much more of a boy scout than Steve Austin. I think he's. Oh yeah, yeah. He he has a set of morals that are are just to the right of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> to the left of Jesus. Left. But, uh, left of Jesus. <laughs> I think. But it's part of his charm too, and yeah. it, and it evolves. You know, the, yeah, the beginning yeah. where he's like, "Man, it's adultery. That's wrong." Until. Him making out with just about everyone. Well, it's it's interesting because in this show, and and and, and again, we'll talk about this more later. But like, it's interesting compared to the new show because the new show you actually get to know the guy who leaps, uh, the main character. You yeah. know him a little bit before he gets right. in the accelerator. But in Quantum Leap, he's just doing it, right? And he's gone, so you have no idea what his personality was yeah. like. You you learn before. along with him, yeah, yeah, about his past. Which, but granted, it might also be that. Maybe he wasn't the nicest guy, you know. I mean, like it, it. His brain got. He had all that amnesia. Like he just kind of had to be like, okay, well, I'm gonna do this. And well, he's got a weird hologram dude that's telling him to got to fix this thing. You know, for all intents I mean, they all say know, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. Yes. In the new one, it's interesting because the Al character is played by his wife or fiance. Fiance. They're not married yet. yet. And uh, at, at the beginning. He doesn't know who she is. And, yeah. But then yeah. he does, of course, because of the, love. The pilot was great at yeah. the end when he was like, I don't know you, but I felt very comfortable around you. It makes it more interesting having that what? connection because yeah. then it doesn't turn into, you know, kiss of the week. <laughs> and making out with everybody. Yeah. Randomly having sex with people. The one that was the weirdest. I just, I know we need to get started, but I just want to get into this real quick and then we'll get started. The one that was the weirdest was the Abigail three-parter. Yeah. With yeah. Laura Walters. Yeah. Where he jumps into Abigail's father when right. Abigail's like 10 years old. Yeah. To get her off of a murder charge. Right, right. Because she supposedly murdered a kid over a locket. Solves that problem. Jumps out and then jumps into her, her, her fiance. fiance. Yeah. And so he's making out with her and doing the do. It's weird. After he was her dad. The and whole, then, yeah. And then he jumps out of that one, jumps back in as an old dude. A lawyer. A lawyer. Because she's on trial again for murder. Poor person is the most... uh, She's... She's worse than Dr. Richard Kimball when it comes to being. <laughs> we will talk about that. Dude. We'll talk about that more because uh, that was during the fifth season when I don't – even less they knew what they wanted to do. And I think they thought they had an idea and then yeah. the show got canceled. It was inter- look, it was very interesting. It's just there was some creep factor to oh, no, a lot of it. No. And I'm looking at you, Al. 
Well, even the, even yeah, yeah. <laughs> even the episode with Neil Patrick Harris as a greaser uh, yeah. where he has to end up making out with a 13-year-old. <laughs> it's like uh, and it, not he wasn't making out with uh, Neil Patrick Harris. No, no. Making no, out no, with no, the, with the 13-year-old Neil girl. Patrick Harris's girlfriend or yeah, No, no, is the It's like a friend. The tomboy. The tomboy. That yeah. they ended up dolling up like a Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, on that note, Take yourself back to 1989. Nice. March 4th, Time Inc. and Warner Communications announced plans for a merger forming Time Warner, which has now become Warner Brothers Discovery. Yep, to the detriment of everyone. It was the beginning of the end. Zaslav is the beginning of the end. Well, yeah. March 12th, Tim Berners-Lee submits a memorandum titled Information Management, a proposal to the management at CERN for a system that would eventually become the World Wide Web. Nice. Yeah. March 13th. A geomagnetic storm causes the collapse of the Hydro-Quebec power grid. Six million people are left without power for nine hours. Some areas in the northeastern U.S. and in Sweden also lose power, and aurorae are seen as far as Texas. Yeah, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about that when it came out. That was when Sam started leaping. Boop. <laughs> yeah, he caused it. Uh, March 26th, the first episode of Quantum Leap airs. God, that, I just I love the theme song, but it just does not fit the show at all. No, it does not. It does not. Uh, so Quantum Leap comes from the mind of Donald P. Belisario. Yeah, baby. Uh, he might sound familiar uh, because he actually did create Magnum P.I. as well. He did, the greatest show ever. Yeah. Belisario served in the U.S. Marine Corps from 1955 to 1959 and attained the rank of sergeant. Never let us forget it. Every one of his characters is a Marine. <laughs> he has to. He's heavily influenced by the military. You think? Uh, according to Belisario, he encountered and nearly got into a fight with Lee Harvey Oswald in 1958 at a supply shed at Marine Air Control Squadron 9 because Oswald was reading Pravda, which offended Belisario. Ooh, I'm offended. He put that in the... Uh the Oswald two-parter. Well, that's what that's part of the reason he wrote that is because he was convinced that Oswald did it alone because he talked to him. Right. And knew that he was crazy. Yeah. And wanted to hate the government. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, but he was per- personally, I guess, quote-unquote, personally knew him. But yeah, he had talked to the government. Ran into him. Yeah. Uh, after earning a bachelor's degree in journalism at Pennsylvania State University in 1961, Belisario became an advertising copywriter in 1965, and three years later became creative director of the Bloom Agency in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, advertising was everything in the 60s. That Ad- was like admin. the job. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, after rising to senior vice president after eight years, he then moved to Hollywood to pr- pursue screenwriting and production. Crazy that he... Was successful in a whole different career, and then yeah. it was just like, F it, I'm going to go to Hollywood. Because I'm going to go write some TV shows. <laughs> After working under such television producers as Glenn A. Larson and Stephen J. Cannell. Two of the best. Two of the best. Belisario adopted some of their production techniques, for example, using a small pool of actors for his mini productions. Mm. Yeah, once he, once he found people he liked, he used them all the time. Cool. Uh, he wrote for Big Hawaii and Kojak and produced, wrote, and directed Baba Black Sheep in 1977. Yeah, with Robert Conrad. <laughs> that was a good show. We've talked about it before, and I've never seen it. I yeah. need to watch it. Look up Robert Conrad Energizer. Duracell. Duracell? Battery commercials, because he has this commercial where he, like, Oh, yeah, Knock yeah, it yeah. off my shoulder. Yes. Come on, tough guy. <laughs> Come on, tough guy. <laughs> but that was Robert Conrad. Okay. He was great. He was also... Uh, the star of Wild Wild West. He was oh, the sh- uh, oh, the Agent show? West, yeah. No, he wasn't Will Smith? No. 
<laughs> he wrote, directed, <laughs> Belisario wrote and directed and produced Battlestar Galactica in 1978 and produced Quincy M.E. in 1979. Two great shows. Yeah, yeah. Very I think, different. I always associate Battlestar Galactica with Glenn A. Larson, but well, yeah. it, was, it was Belisario that actually came up with the idea. Right, but Larson produced it. Yes, and, and put his fingerprint all over it in the form of Mormonism. Sure. <laughs> uh, he created his first show. Right. In, That's true, right? He did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, he took the idea, and then it's essentially like a Mormon story. Weird. I mean, not, not to the detriment of the show, and definitely the, the new version is, does not follow that, but it's... No, the new version follows Scientology pretty uh, yeah, pretty to the letter. Yeah, they, they fly 747s in space. Yeah, well, they fry, the, the leader's name is uh, Zenu. <laughs> Commander Zenu. Okay. <laughs> so Belisario created his first show in 1980, The Amazing Magnum P.I. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Wow. Magnum. God, your forehead is about to explode there. Ah, I love that show so much. Uh, I ran for eight seasons and 162 episodes and was immensely popular. That was a theme song that Mike Post did right. That was one of the greatest theme songs ever. Uh, yeah, we did do a Magnum P.I. episode, so please listen to that for more info on a Magnum P.I. Please do. And you get to hear Jim do the theme song 1,800 times. Basically the entire show is just great. beatboxing. It's just, just a bed of <laughs> the music from <laughs> yeah. Magnum P.I. Belisario followed up a Magnum P.I. with Tales of the Gold Monkey, an action-adventure drama set in the year 1938. Not the greatest show ever. Uh, no, it deb- debuted the year after Raiders of the Lost Ark, but audiences were not as into it, and it only ran for one season. Yeah, starring the child molester from... Seventh Heaven. No, was it? I think so. Oh, God. Yeah. I didn't realize that that was him. He's now married and living somewhere. And and, uh, and doesn't really have any repercussions for being (laughs) a child molester, apparently. Yay. Uh, Belisaro created Airwolf in 1984, a military action drama that centered on a high-technology attack helicopter codenamed Airwolf. Airwolf. That was a ripoff of Blue Thunder. Blue Thunder? Yeah. Was that, oh, was it the movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember With that. Roy Scheider. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great movie. It was. Um, and Tales from the Blue... Uh, Tales from the Blue Monkey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that golden monkey. I remember watching it because I was a huge Raiders fan. Oh, yeah, it was, that, it was a, that's kind of serial drama, like right. action adventure drama. It was a Raiders ripoff with uh, a not very charismatic lead. Yeah. Who uh, ended up molesting people. Right, right. We covered that. <laughs> So, uh, Airwolf star Jan Michael Vincent, Ernest Borgnine, and Alex Cord. Yeah, he wore the the glasses just like those babies. Oh, he did. The one yeah, thing out. the aviators. Yeah, the series ran for fifty five episodes on CBS in the United States in nineteen eighty four through eighty six, an additional twenty four episodes with a new cast and production company on the USA Network in nineteen eighty seven for a total of seventy nine episodes. Yeah, USA was one of the first cable networks. Yeah, and uh, and it it was. Uh, it was a staple of a lot of really good reruns. It was. It was constantly. They showed great movies at night, overnight. It was great. Airwolf was a weird show. I yeah. wanted to like Airwolf. I should have liked Airwolf, but there was just a weirdness to it. I had and a, that I had weirdness a... is named Jan Michael <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I'm not a fan of Jan Michael Vincent. Well, he had a uh, lot of issues. He did. Uh, Belisario left the show after season two when the studio wanted to rework his concept to make it more fun. Yeah, well, that's not a bad idea. It was a I, little, take itself a little too seriously. I know. Uh, unfortunately, Jan Michael Vincent's alcoholism was also a problem. Oh, my God. He, he was you, a drinker. He, oh, my God. I used to listen to Howard Stern in the 90s, you know? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I listened to him in the 2000s, too, I guess. I just haven't <laughs> listened to him since he went to Sirius. Um, yeah. But he used to have Jan Michael Vincent on 
a lot. And this was back when he, you know, wasn't the really good interviewer, whatever yeah, reinvention yeah. he's done to himself, right, Mr. Right. Stern. And it was just so exploitative. And he would just come on, and it was so oh, that's sad. embarrassing. Yeah. And just, he was akin to a homeless guy. I mean, uh, he would come in there and make no sense, and it was just them... It was cruel. It was cruel yeah, what he they, did to Jan they, Michael Vincent. They were not, he was not in on the joke. Even if he was in on the joke, he was not sober or clear enough to be right. in on so the joke. So he wasn't in on the joke. Yeah. It, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was very exploitative and very yeah. cruel. Uh, so Belisario wrote, produced, and directed Last Rites in 1988, his first feature film. Do you remember this movie? I do, actually. It's, I think I pretty. I think I saw it in the theater. Oh, nice. I was a big Tom Berenger fan. It st- stars Tom Berenger, Daphne Zuniga, and Chick Verena. The film was both a commercial and critical failure and caused a significant amount of controversy because of the touchy subject matter. Oh, my God. You couldn't do anything against the Catholics back then without getting your whole career destroyed. Well, now, now, granted, the, st- the storyline was a little convoluted. Okay. Uh, Angelo, the beautiful Mexican mistress of a New York mobster, asks virginal Father Michael for protection after Zena, the mobster's wife, kills her cheating husband. Michael became- becomes torn between his vows, Angela, and his sister, Zena. Okay. Essentially, it's, it's, it's about spoiling a, a priest. Sure. Yeah. Is Daphne Zuniga playing a, s- uh, a Spanish I think she, person? Yeah, I, I think she does. I, I'm pretty sure she does. Well, that's the offensive part. Yeah, well, the whole movie was pretty <laughs> offensive. Uh, I remember. It wasn't even – it's, like, so tame. All this I, uh, stuff yes, is just, like yes. – it's just any, – any hint of anti-Catholicism back then was just – it was insane. You remember uh, the, the – not the Passion of the Christ, but uh, the – was the Passion of the Christ? The one? Last Temptation of Christ? Yes. With that Scorsese. was Scorsese's. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God. I thought the whole world was going to Oh, they explode. were – I thought they were going to burn down movie theaters. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Roger Ebert, himself raised Catholic, gave the film a zero-star rating, writing... Yeah, this is yet. Located... This is yet. Located at last... What? Okay. This is it. Located at last and with only six weeks to spare, the worst film of 1988, Last Rites, qualifies because it passes both acid tests. It is not only bad filmmaking, but it is offensive as well. Offensive to my intelligence. All right. Easy, buddy. I'm going to apologize to Roger Ebert every time you <laughs> quote him. That's exactly what he sounded That's like. That's not what he said. When he was off air. Yeah. When he was with his When friends. he wasn't in character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so in the United States, the film grossed $427,000, making it one of the biggest box office bombs of 1988. Yeah, my $3. Uh, and also, surprisingly enough, it was Belisario's last feature film. He literally never made another feature film after this. Well, I don't know for <laughs> well, he, missing out. He, uh, he, he went to, uh, after creating Quantum Leap, he created JAG. He's a TV guy. Which ran for 10 seasons, NCIS, which has run for 20 seasons with 457 episodes and has been renewed for a 21st season. Yeah, old people love that show. It is the third longest running scripted program on TV as of 2023, uh, surpassed only by Law & Order, a special victims unit starting in 1999 and still running, and Law & Order, which ran from 1990 to 2010, but then came back in 2022 and is still running. Well, what about The Simpsons? Uh Simpsons started in 89. Third longest, I don't know. Apparently they're not counting sitcoms. Wow. I, I think they mean like hour-long dramas. All right, but that seems BS. The Simpsons oh, been whatever. around ever. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I love The Simpsons. NCIS has also spawned four spinoffs. Uh, NCIS Los Angeles, NCIS New Orleans, NCIS Hawaii, and NCIS Sydney. 
Australia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. This is the funny thing is everyone's like, what? And it's like, well, technically, they still have jurisdiction. We have a base there. A base. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's not – it just started. I don't know if it's going to continue. It probably will. It's like a cult, this this NCIS. CBS is a cult for oldies. (laughs) I know I've become old when I start watching CBS regularly. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's very true. The main premise for Quantum Leap was inspired by such movies as Here Comes Mr. Jordan in 1941 and Heaven Can Wait in 1978, co-written, directed, and starring Warren Beatty. Yeah, which was also a remake. Uh, yes, it was both Both of those are being based on the Harry Siegel 1938 play, Heaven Can Wait. Or plea. Or plea. He pleaded with people to watch it. Pleaded with them. Yeah. <laughs> Quantum Leap was also inspired by the 1960s TV show The Time Tunnel, created by Irwin Allen. Ooh, from Disaster Fame. Mm, listen to our disaster. Yeah, listen episode. to our disaster episode. We actually had a really a lot of fun in the disaster episode. Yeah, we're, we're in disasters. We ride a, an avalanche of debris down a, a skyscraper. It's really yeah. fun. You just have to listen. Yeah. Uh, Belisario saw its concept as a way of developing an original anthology series as anthologies were unpopular with the networks. That's weird because they weren't. I mean, you know, they would come around like you'd get the amazing stories or. Those were all pre-89, though. Like, right. I think at this point they had kind of fallen by the wayside. Yeah. It was just they they figured that people needed characters to get attached to and they didn't yeah. want to just watch, you know. But yeah. I loved anthology series. I did, too. I yeah. thought they were great. I mean, that's Twilight Zone's an anthology series. It is. Uh, Scott Bakula was cast as Sam Beckett, our wayward time traveler. I'm Sam Beckett. Sam Beckett has a doctorate in physics and in the near future theorizes that time travel is possible within our own lifetimes. I think it's possible within our own lifetime. A concept that is <laughs> totally destroyed by the fifth season because he just jumps wherever. Oh, yeah. Uh, Beckett obtains government support to build his project Quantum Leap. Some years later, having already spent already spent forty three billion dollars with a B, the government threatens to halt funding as no progress has been made, and Sam decides to test the project accelerator by himself to save the project before anyone can stop him. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, except for the fact that what if they just go, no, we're not going to give any more money, and then he's just gone forever. Nobody said he thought <laughs> he thought it through the future, very yeah. well. Uh, he is thrown back in time and on regaining consciousness finds that while he physically exists in the past, he appears to everyone else as a person into whom he had leapt. The one thing that really bugged me about that, eyelines. Oh, yeah. Like, and I get it. And, and it, you know, it didn't bother me all the time or whatever, but it's like, he's a 13 year old boy. And all of a sudden the lady's like looking up at him. Hey, hey there, you're six one. <laughs> it's like weird. I know, I know. Uh, he also had partial amnesia related to his own identity, so he did not know who he was. The Swiss cheese brain. The Swiss cheese brain. Everything went a little caca. A little caca. Uh, Sam has six doctoral degrees, a black belt in kung fu, a photographic memory, and near virtuistic musical talent, allowing him to easily slip into the shoes of many different people. And don't forget that he also speaks eight languages. He does. Uh, he's also described as bookish and naive. Yeah, he is pretty naive. Because he didn't have time to do anything except get doctorates and learn how to be a kung fu yeah. guy. Yeah. He never really uses his kung fu, though. He doesn't seem I, like a very capable It literally fighter. came up in one episode. <laughs> I think it was the only way they could get out of it was to go, oh, yeah, he knows kung fu. He knows kung fu, too. Yeah. Whatever. He's smart. Yeah. Uh, Bakula moved to New York City to pursue acting after dropping out of college in 1976, where he was acting on stage. Okay, so what sport did he get injured in? Um, I don't think I, he was not an athlete. I don't think he was really? an athlete. I think he started the acting bug was very early for him. Okay, yeah. so our first non-athlete. He looks like he could be an athlete. He definitely could, yeah. yeah. Well, full-on looks like a football player or something. 
Well, I mean, he he played one in Necessary Roughness. Yes. And <laughs> I think was... he played one in Quantum Leap, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A couple times. He uh, had to win the game when he went back as a 16-year-old. He, right. He had oh, to yeah. Get, he had to beat No-Nos. Well, the very second person that he jumps into is a baseball player. No-Nos. You then, know why they called him No-Nos? Because he didn't have a nose? Because the tip of his nose got cut off, cut off by a thresher. Ugh. And All that's right. so mean. And he's just a boy. He's a he's just a 16-year-old kid playing football, and they call him no-nos. Uh, so he made his professional debut in the 1977 national tour of the musical Shenandoah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was I don't huge. know Shenandoah at all. You know the music. Uh, probably. He made his Broadway debut in 1982 as an understudy in the short-lived musical Is There Life After High School? No. I wonder why he didn't run for very long. <laughs> It <laughs> seems like a terrible idea for a musical. He received a shared Drama Desk Award nomination for Outstanding Ensemble Acting for his performance in the 1985 off-Broadway production of Three Guys Naked from the Waist Down. Ugh. Yeah. It's just a bunch of guys flopping weens? Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> the success of Three Guys Off-Broadway brought him attention, and when his next show, the musical Nightclub Confidential, which co-starred his wife, Krista Newman, moved to Los Angeles, he moved there at the urging of his agents. All right. Uh, he was actually cast in two short-lived TV shows, Gung Ho and Eisenhower and Lutz. You know what's so insane is I remember both of these shows. Do you? I remember Gung Ho. I don't remember Eisenhower and Lutz. I do. Uh, Gung Ho was the TV extension of the 1986 movie starring Michael Keaton and Giddy Watanabe. Mm-hmm. Most of the Japanese actor from the movie reprised their roles in the TV show, with Clint Howard being the only non-Japanese actor to reprise his role for the show. Ooh, what a get! Because it's Clint Howard and he needed work. Clint Howard does anything. <laughs> he does. Bakula took on the role that Michael Keaton played in the film. Uh, it premiered in the fall of 1986 and ran for nine episodes before being canceled. It was not very good. It literally was put into production like... The show, the movie came out in like May of '86, and by that fall, they had the show on TV. Yeah, like it, it, it was just way too fast. They had shows for Animal House. They had shows oh, yeah. for yeah. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. They yeah. had shows for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, like every movie it, it, it had spawned some... something, and none of them were successful. Horrible. <laughs> none of them were good. Horrible spinoffs. Yeah, especially uh, the ones that were R-rated movies that were sanitized know, for TV. What are you? Yeah, what's the point of that? Eisenhower and Lutz was a sitcom in 1988 about an ambulance-chasing lawyer from producer Alan Burns, who created and wrote the television sitcoms The Munsters and The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Uh, it debuted in March of 1988 and lasted 13 episodes before being canceled. It wasn't that bad. It was pretty funny. During the Hollywood writer strike in 1988, he returned to New York to star in Romance, Romance on Broadway. For his performance as Alfred Von Wilmers and Sam, he was nominated for the 1988 Tony Award for Best Actor in a Musical. Nice. He was then cast as Dr. Sam Beckett in Quantum Leap. You could tell, though, that he's a, he's a he's theater a guy. Theater guy, yeah. He's got yeah. some of them traps, some of them trappings. He does. Uh, his performance in the show earned him a Golden Globe Award along with three nominations and four Emmy Award nominations for Best Actor, as well as five consecutive Viewers for Quality Television Awards for Best Actor in a Quality Drama Series. Look, playing Sam Beckett in any other... Actors' hands, or just about any other actor's yeah. hands, could have just been really small, small, schmaltzy. Could have been really schmaltzy yeah. and very sappy and saccharine. But he found a way to make all of the material earnest. I mean, he, he did. does a he very really much like, uh, much like Lee Majors. Lee Majors he did. owned yeah. this part and found a way to have him transcend the material. Yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, 
He made it relatable. It was it was really good. We were watching because of him. Yes. Oh, yes. and Dean Stockwell. Well, him and Dean Stockwell, yeah. Bakula made his film debut in Sibling Rivalry in 1990, directed by Carl Reiner, and starring Kirstie uh, Alley, Sam Elliott, Jamie Gertz, Bill Pullman, and Carrie Fisher. I remember this. Sibling Rivalry? Mm-hmm. I don't remember this at all. I uh, it worked was, in a video store. I watched oh, it. Right, day. right. It was lambasted by the critics, did not do very well. The following year in 1991, while still filming in Quantum Leap, Bakula starred in Necessary Roughness, the sports comedy also starring Hector Elizondo, Robert Loggia, Harley Jane Kuzak, Larry Miller, Sinbad, Jason Bateman, Kathy Ireland, Rob Schneider, and Fred Dalton Thompson. Uh, while it didn't really blow anybody away and it did okay in the box office, I. Love this movie oh, so great. much. It's really fun. It was one of those that was just on like Cinemax or Showtime like all the time. Yeah, and it was the uh, it, it was during the heyday of the underdog yeah. sports movie. It very much started with uh, Major League. Oh yeah, and then well, kind of the weird, goofy. Really yeah. started with Bad News Bears. Oh, well, yes, and yes. then you know it's I always mean, been a staple. We've always 80s, had yeah. the, the lovable losers. Yeah. Uh, after Quantum Leap, Bakula starred in Lord of Illusions in 1995, written and directed by Clive Barker, based off of a story from his Books of Blood series. That's a guilty pleasure. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's I, not good, but it is fun to watch him playing... Oh, like a, a like detective. Kind of detective guy? Yeah. Like, uh, I was so excited for this movie. I, I was not a Clive Barker fan, but the, it sounded really cool, like this yeah. you know, supernatural detective type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was... The character that he's that he played was huge in Clive Barker's novels, and people loved him. And unfortunately, the movie had mixed reviews; didn't make a ton of money. Uh, it was also Bakula's last starring role in a major motion picture. He's a TV guy. He's a TV guy. He, he uh, just was, and that's just you know, it's unfortunate. Some guys never find their 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 click. You know, look yeah. at Tom Selleck; he had a few hits in the movies, but he's yeah. a TV guy. But he's you know, a TV 90%. guy. Ninety yeah. percent. Yeah. Bakula would have a lot more success in TV. Uh, he had a recurring role as a potential love interest in the sitcom Murphy Brown, appearing in 13 episodes over a couple of seasons. He was really good on that. He landed the role of Captain Jonathan Archer in the Star Trek spinoff Enterprise in 2001. The one Star Trek show that I've never seen an episode uh, of. You know, it's funny. I started watching it, and as soon as the theme song came on, <laughs> I turned it off. Because it is the worst theme song really? of all time. It does not fit the show at all. It's like a weird, slow country ballad. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I just, hey. and I've I've literally never watched it since. Okay, I, uh, yeah. yeah. So it was the six Star Trek series that ran for ninety eight episodes over four seasons, uh, featuring the crew of the first Enterprise, making it a prequel to all the other shows. Uh, like I just said, it has the worst theme song ever in the history of television. It's also like the least popular of all the Star Trek shows. It's not. Nobody really ever talks about it. And it I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not beloved like Next Generation or no. No. Or Deep Space Nine, DS9. It was, it was like, I think a lot of people were like, oh, why are you going back? Because at that point, you know, it had gone next generation. And, mm. you know, like they were all kind of continuing in the future. And then this one, they're like, oh, we're going to go back to the very beginning. And, and I don't and, think there was a Star Trek show on at that time, right? No, I think by that point, they'd all been done. Right, done. right. Yeah, so yeah. this was, we were all aching for a new Star Trek show, yeah. and this was not the one we were I, asking for. I, I'm sure it's probably not bad. I mean, I just. Take a look. I, yeah. I'll take a look at it. Yeah. 
Uh, he would land the role of Dwayne King Pride in NCIS New Orleans, a character introduced in a two-episode story during the 11th season of NCIS as a backdoor pilot. Yeah, that accent he uses. How long? I'm going to get you on the courts there. Hmm. <laughs> hey, it's his acting, not me. <laughs> NCIS New Orleans ran for 155 episodes over seven seasons, finally being canceled in 2021. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I Yeah. I am just, and, I have no concept of any of that. JAG or NCIS, it's just a whole other world. I put this in the same realm as like Grey's Anatomy, where like I hear about it and it's like, wait, wait, they're still making that? Yeah. And it's the same, NCIS is the same way. It's like, really? They got to have something on the TVs in the old (laughs) folks' homes. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Bacala always seemed to have fun with his fame, playing himself in a great episode of What We Do in the Shadows. What did he do? Played himself. I don't remember that one. You don't remember that? No. It was in like the second season, I think. Oh. Yeah. He was at, I think it was at a convention or something. He's great. Yeah, he's funny. He pokes fun at himself a lot. I think he gets it. Uh, Backley can most recently be seen in Divinity, a feature film starring Stephen Dorff. Yeah. It's probably not very good. Is it a churchy movie? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't even look it up. Okay. I'm sure it has something to do with, I think there's, it's the Catholic mythology, I okay. think. Yeah. Well, you know, good for him. He's had a very... Long, strong career. Yeah, he's been working the whole time. And I he's mean, a solid dude. He's a solid actor. He's like a, you know, he's he's not too fancy or frilly. He just <laughs> gets the job done. I mean, the fact that he did, you know, nine ninety one episodes of Quantum Leap, that he's done uh, one hundred fifty five episodes of NCIS. That right there is enough for yeah. somebody's career. But mm-hmm. he's he's been in some great movies, and he's he's always a very solid actor. True. Yeah. Dean Stockwell was cast as Al Calavici. Uh, Al was an admiral in the, min- in the Navy, appearing as a hologram visible and audible only to Sam, and helps to explain to Sam that he must correct something that went wrong in the past. Aided with the resources of the project's supercomputer Ziggy, the self-aware artificial intelligence... Parallel hybrid computer with an ego. Yeah. Al's a womanizing cigar-smoking five-time divorcee who grew up in an orphanage, was active in the civil rights movement, and was a prisoner of war in Vietnam. Yeah, he's an interesting character. He is. I mean, honestly, for everything that we don't know about... Uh, Scott Bakula's character about uh, Sam Al fills in everything. Well, he's fascinating. A, he's a good foil for yeah. the Boy Scout because yeah, yeah. you know he's Sam was always chastising him for his womanizing ways. <laughs> it was early on in the first season. They were do they had to find oh it was in the uh, the Humphrey Bogart episode and and they were like they're like in a, a Union Station downtown L A. And and Al suddenly walks out of like faces through a door. He's like, "Where were you?" He's like, "Well, I was in the ladies' room. I had to check to see if anybody was in there." Yeah, it was just like really. But that was early on in the first season. They toned him down a little bit after that. Yeah, well, there was a lot of casual sexism and racism in yeah. the nineties. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Stockwell started as a child actor under contract to Metro Golden Goldwyn Mayer, uh, appearing in two films in 1945 at the age of nine. Uh, the Valley of Decision, starring Greer Garson and Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck. And Anchors Away, starring Frank Sinatra, Catherine Grayson, and Gene Kelly. Great movie. Have you seen him as a child actor? I, I have. I've seen Anchors Away, so yeah. I have. I don't think I realized it was him. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, he would appear in 17 other films during his childhood career. Stockwell found being a child actor difficult overall, stating, I didn't enjoy acting particularly when I was young. I thought it was a lot of work. There were a few films that I enjoyed. There were comedies. They were not important films. They, were, they weren't very successful, so I was always pretty much known as a serious kid. I got those kind of roles, and I didn't care for them very much. He found that, his, uh, that this work meant that he didn't have any friends except his brother, who he, and he was constantly working with only one holiday in nine years. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of uh, child protective <sighs> uh, services on the sets back then. No. He said it was, 
A miserable way to bring up a child, though. Neither my parents nor I recognized it at the time. Yeah, that's awful. I can't imagine starting at nine and for eight, for into most of your teen years, not oh, yeah. having friends. No. Like, that's crazy. Stockwell graduated from Alexander Hamilton High School in Los Angeles and attended the University of California, Berkeley for a year before dropping out. I was unhappy and could not get along with people. He, okay. didn't have a, he didn't have a childhood. Well, he didn't have, yeah, he probably didn't have very good social skills. Yeah, and, yeah. and especially dealing with peers his own age. He was yeah. used to working with people older than he is. He took a number of years off and resumed his acting career as an adult in 1956. As a young adult, he had a lead role in the 1957 Broadway and 1959 screen ab- adaptation of Compulsion, based on the Leopold and Loeb story. It's a good movie. I that would, is such I, a yeah. crazy story, too. Yeah, yeah. The play is really good. Yeah. Uh, in 1962, he played Edmund Tyrone in the film version of Long Day's Journey into Night, for which he won two Best Actor awards at the Cannes Film Festival. Nice. He was nominated for a Golden Globe Award for Best Actor in Motion Picture Drama for his starring role in the 1960. Film version of D.H. Lawrence's Sons and Lovers. All right. He would star in a number of Broadway plays and make guest appearances on numerous TV shows. In the mid-1960s, Sockwell dropped out of show business, becoming active in the Topanga Canyon hippie subculture as a close friend of visual artists George Herms and Wallace Berman, fellow child actor and dropout Russ Tamblin, and musician Neil Young. Oh, well, look at me now. I'm a lot like you. <laughs> hey, do you know that Amber Tamblin is Russ Tamblin's daughter? I did know that. Yeah. And Russ Tamblin actually makes appearance, uh, at least one appearance in Quantum Leap. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because they were good friends. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I did some drugs and went to some lovin's. The experience of those days provided me with a huge panoramic view of my existence that I didn't have before. I have no regrets. Stockwell <laughs> returned to acting with a supporting role in Psych Out in 1968, co-starring Susan Strasberg and Jack Nicholson. Oh, such a weird, dumb movie. Have you seen it? No, I don't think I've ever seen it. It's like one of Nicholson's first. It's, oh, yeah. It's like totally like the hippie movement, you know, Hollywood yeah. style. Uh, he played the lead in AIP's The Dunwich Horror in 1970 with Sandra D. He also had a key part in Dennis Hopper's The Last Movie in 1971. Good movie. Uh, he was really close friends with Dennis Hopper. Oh, yeah. He continued, continued to guest for TV shows such as... Police Surgeon. Police Surgeon? <laughs> what a weird name for <laughs> a show. weird show. <laughs> All right. The Streets of San Francisco. Columbo. John Forrester. Three for the Road. Cannon. Ellery Queen. Police Story. McLeod. Tales of the Unexpected. Greatest Heroes of the Bible. Okay. Heart to Heart. The A-Team and Simon and Simon. He can continue to work with Neil Young, designing the cover for his 1967 album, American Stars and Bars and directing and appearing together in Human Highway in 1982, along with Russ Tamblin, Dennis Hopper, and Devo. Yes, the band Devo. Whip it good. (laughs) I've never seen Human Highway, uh, and I now kind of want to see it. I do. I love Devo. By this time, Stockwell had moved to Taos, New Mexico, and was depressed about the state of his career, turning to real estate to pay the bills. Man, this guy has lived it. He's started and stopped his career like eight times. Yeah. In 1984, he appeared in Vim Vender's critically acclaimed film Paris, Texas, and the same year in David Lynch's film version of Dune as Wellington Ewa. Paris, Texas is such a good movie by Vim Vender's. Have you seen that? I have not. It stars, uh, I was going to say Dean Stockwell, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it stars yeah. the guy that I used to watch uh, sitting at the... Uh, oh, um, Harry, uh, Harry, Harry, Harry Dean Stanton. I was going to say Harry Connick Jr. No. My brain doesn't work today. Harry Dean Stanton was the star. It's an incredible... I've, I've heard really great uh, things about it. It's just It's been on my list for yeah, a long time. No, it's one yeah. you definitely should see. 
After Paris, Texas, and Dune, I think I got a pretty good start on what amounts to a third career. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just blows my mind. This guy's career just blows my mind. Because well, he's super talented, and he's probably a pretty chill dude. Yeah. He seemed like he was nice. He was good, easy to get along with. And uh, just extremely talented. Yes, very. In 1988, he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his performance as Mafia boss Tony the Tiger Russo in the comedy Married to the Mob. Oh, that was great. It's a great movie. That was, the like, the breakout role for uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, Stockwell later recalled it. The favorite part I've ever had in a film. I just felt that the part was just perfect for me, and I had a way to approach it that I thought was just right, and it turned out that way. Yeah. Uh, he would work with Francis Ford Coppola on Gardens of Stone in 1987, co-starring James Caan, Angelica Houston, James Earl Jones, D.B. Sweeney, and Mary Stuart Masterson. Yeah, how many people remember Gardens of Stone? Uh, nobody, because it was a massive box office flop. Oh, it was. <laughs> he would work with Coppola again the following year on Tucker, The Man in His Dream, starring Jeff Bridges, which would also not make its budget back at the box office. Which is a shame, because that was actually a really I good movie. I really liked that movie. Uh, yeah, it was another one of those that was on all the time yeah. when I was growing up. It was, it's just a very good movie, and it was one of his, uh, Coppola's better, you know, later uh, yeah, agreed. life movies. Yeah, He would receive four Emmy nominations for his work in Quantum Leap, never winning, as well as four Golden Globe nominations, winning once. Stockwell would continue to appear in TV shows after Quantum Leap, but they never found the su- success that Quantum Leap did. He'd also c- continue to act in a ton of movies. Yeah, one of my favorite performances of his was in The Player by oh, Robert yeah. Altman. yeah. He is so – talk about Bob. <laughs> but I think he's like an agent or – Yeah, you know, I think he's an agent. But he's just got this yeah. rhythm to his acting in that role that is just so unique. Yeah. And he's such a great foil for uh, – Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins, yeah. yeah. It's just and, – and the player is such a perfect oh, it's such a good Hollywood send-up. It's, it's one movie. of my favorite movies, one of my favorite Altman movies. Yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't seen The Player, Highly it is deliciously recommend. wicked and so, so much fun to watch. So. And, and if you're a fan of Stockwell, you're going to love him in it. <laughs> Unfortunately, he suffered a stroke in 2015 and retired from acting. His last role is in the 2016 movie Max Rose, starring Jerry Lewis and Kevin Pollack. Mm-hmm. Poor Kevin Pollack. Yeah. Over a seven-decade career, Stockwell appeared in over 200 movies and TV shows. Uh, he died of natural causes in New Zealand on November 7th, 2021, at the age of 85. Oh. Uh, the exact cause of his death was never disclosed. So sad. Yeah. They mention him in the new Quantum Leap. They do. The fact that he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. The first episode was dedicated to him, too. Yeah. Because uh, it came out about six months after he died, I think. There is an episode that takes place before he died, and uh, um, Magic... Played yeah. by Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson, He's yeah. got some Cubans that he's about to give him. Sam and Al are the only characters to appear in every episode. The supporting characters of each episode are the friends, family, and acquaintances of the person Sam has leapt into. With a few exceptions, such as a two-parter or sequel episodes, these characters only appear once. Those several actors have played multiple characters. Oh, yeah. Uh, guest stars include Bruce McGill, who played Al the bartender in the final episode of the series, who may or may not have been God. But he also played Weird Ernie in the pilot movie. It was a nice uh, bookend. It was. It was great. Terry Hatcher, who plays Sam's future fiance. Now, you watched, we watched that episode, right? Yeah. He doesn't, because he recognizes everybody else who were 
previously guest stars on the show as new characters, did he, he do did that not. with Bruce? No, yeah. he did not. That's weird that they did that. It is. Well, maybe because it was the very first guy. He didn't really talk to him very much. Well, it would have been a lot interest, more interesting if they put it much in. Much more Swiss cheese brain at that time. Okay. I, well, don't, I don't know. Well, I'm just I'm a quantum leap apologist. I was going to say, whatever quantum leap apologist. <laughs> uh, uh, Rodney McDowell makes a guest appearance as the new hologram who takes over for Al when Sam accidentally gets Al killed in the ja- gas chamber. What are you talking about? I've always been here. <laughs> so messed up. Um, <laughs> so, he's just like turns around and he's like, what? He's like, oh, because he's literally like, there's a 97% chance that I'm going to go to the gas chamber. 98, 99, and then 100. 100. Yeah. Uh, Melora Hardin, who plays Abigail in parts two and three in the trilogy, they called literally the trilogy. Yeah, it's the creep. They should have called it <laughs> the creeps. Where in part one, Sam jumps into Abigail's father when she's accused at 10 of killing a neighbor's father and disappearing their daughter, which also starred Meg Foster as Abigail's insane mother. Yeah, she didn't have any lines in the first episode. She just nah, looks very just creepy. Just creepy eyes. In part two, Sam jumps into Abigail's soon-to-be husband 11 years later, trying to save Abigail from being accused of murder and kidnapping by the same woman from 11 years prior again. Oh, my God. So at the end of that episode, they're literally lynching her. They're literally putting the— Wow. And, and, uh, and one guy, the guy that ends up— uh, that he jumps into the third time, yeah. shows up, and he's like, what are you all doing? This is oh. insane. You have yeah. to stop this. We'll, you know, we'll right. just turn her over to the cops yeah, or whatever. Mom they, justice did nothing. They beat him and take his shotgun. Oh. And, then, and then Sam, finally, he's got hit in the head, so he was knocked out. So he's lurching and lumbering towards her because he's all hurt. <laughs> and he finally reaches there. Shirt off, by the way. Super yeah, sexy. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, stop. You can't do it. And they're like, we're going to do it. And he's like, look, give me five hours and I'll give her back to you if we don't find the kid. Because the kid's still alive. Okay, okay. And then the one that accuses him, that in the third part is the one that gets killed, she grabs the shotgun and is just like, chook, chook, boom. And they get away. You know, they jump out just in time. But it was insane what these people were trying to do to her. They were literally going to string her up and and, uh, and have some mob justice. Well, he also, in that part, too, he uh, kind of falls for Abigail and so gross. Uh, gets her pregnant. <laughs> yeah, he impregnates the girl who he knew as a child who was her father. Yeah. So in part three, another 11 years later, Sam jumps into Abigail's lawyer, uh, who Jim was just describing, to defend her of defend her f- being accused of killing the woman who accused her of murder twice. Yeah. So this is the guy that helped uh, <laughs> stop her from being murdered in the second episode. Yes. But now he's old and retired. Because the woman who said that you killed my husband and my kidnapped my daughter twice. Right. Is dead. Is dead. On and her they kitchen floor. That Abigail did. Because it was on her kitchen floor. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So, and we all knew, we all knew from the very beginning what the with what it was. <laughs> Suicide. Uh, and we we find out that Sam and Abigail had a daughter together and she's now working on Project Quantum Leap not knowing that Sam is her father. So weird. She's and she's super smart too because she's, she's very got his smart. brains. Yeah, she's got his his DNA. Yeah. Uh <laughs> so weird. Why I that also is like doesn't make any sense because it's not like his DNA goes into the people. He just his essence goes into their body. It would be the guy's. No, it's. I mean, it's actually him though. But he would be using the man's physical body and his physical DNA. No, because that guy is in the future. You're just seeing what because you can't see who they are. It's their aura that that. Yeah, I. This is how it works. Because this is why later in the season, later in the series, and we'll talk about it. But like later in the series, they. To give Al somebody more to talk to than just Sam, 
they end up going to the waiting room all the time. Right. And the person's there to help them solve the mysteries and all that stuff. <sighs> yeah. Uh, one of those, in fact, was Willie Garson, who played Lee Harvey Oswald in the season five premiere. Uh, it was by this point in the show they would have the person in the waiting room so Al could actually act against someone else rather than to everyone ignoring There's him quite on quite a set. performance, too, of uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, yeah. Well, he was very uh, sneaky. Yeah. Uh, Garson also plays an annoying sidekick in their film noir send up in the first season. When they're just like, hey, hey, you got to you got to beat feet because the birds are coming to to crap on your head. And then the weasels are going to get the the wagon if you don't jump on the the peaches and you get them in the bread basket. As much jargon as they could stuff into the episode they did. Yeah, he uh, did that a lot. I mean, it was. Yeah, you'll recognize him. He he had a big part on Sex and the City and he was. uh, Yeah. Uh, the the best friend of he was Ben Stiller's best friend in something about Mary. Oh yeah 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 that's right. Hair that's right. And the, yeah. and the pimples. Yeah that's right. That's <laughs> right. So gross. Uh, occasionally, Sam will also run into real life historical figures such as Buddy Holly, Michael Jackson, Donald Trump, Marilyn Monroe, Bill Clinton, Stephen King, Woody Allen, Sylvester Stallone, and Ruth Westheimer. Uh, the last of whom played herself. <laughs> yes, and apparently because I I didn't make it to this episode, I will. After the show at some point. But apparently she psychoanalyzes Al in the waiting room oh. about his womanizing. Womanizing, yeah. So they kind of kind of uh, uh, confront that in the fifth and final season. Uh, other notable guest stars include... Julianne Lowry, Charles Rocket, David Newsom, Susan Isaacs, Susan Duell, John Grease, Patricia Richardson, Susan Anton, Julie Brown, Bob Saget, Leon Rippey, Beverly Mitchell, John Cullum, Jennifer Runyon, Kay Callan, Susan French, Neil McDonough, Brooke Shields, Diedrich Bader, Jennifer Aniston, Prue Taylor Vince, Alan Oppenheimer, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Daniel Robick, Hinton Battle, Russ Tamblin, Chubby Chaga playing himself, Dirk Blocker, Carlos Gugino, Anna Gunn, Eric LaSalle, Stephen Root, Michael Madsen, Jason Priestley, Tia Carrera, Amy Ryan, Glenn Morshauer, Judith Hogue, Megan Price, Nick Casavetes, Mark Boone Jr., Patrick Warburton, CCH Pounder, Neil Patrick Harris, Frank Collision, and Bonnie Morgan. You know, it's funny, is I don't think I saw. The only ones that I saw were uh, uh, Charles Rocket. Charles Rocket and Neil Patrick, Patrick Harris. <laughs> They're all in there. Yeah. I mean, they're all in there. I, yeah. Uh, along with hundreds of others who I didn't recognize the names of. But God knows, every time you watch it, you see somebody and you're oh, like, yeah. that guy. Yes. Or that lady. Exactly. Yeah. So some random facts about the show, because the show's super weird. Uh, Sam leaped into nine women or teenage girls, including a woman not a teenager that had just been raped. Uh, without Sam experiencing the rape itself. How convenient. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, although the lady who played the... The woman that got raped, uh, she was in the waiting room, and then they, they did, like, a double exposure thing, and eventually it was just her giving the testimony. Oh. Like, it's her essentially telling uh, Al to then say to Sam what the testimony is. Did he ever make love as a woman? Was he ever penetrated? Uh, I don't think so. Mm. Um, although he did uh, play – he was in an episode where he leapt into an eight-and-a-half-month pregnant lady. Well, eight-and-a-half uh, months after the – they did, did it. Well, yeah. I mean, but he felt like like the labor pains and stuff, like okay. all that, all that things. So, uh, Sam leaped out of the United States seven times. He went to Vietnam. Uh, he was in a plane over the Bermuda Triangle. Ooh. He went to Egypt, Japan, the Soviet Union, a raft in international waters, and in he went to England. Of course. Now, over the course of the series, Sam would leap into ten non-white people, including Herbert Magic Williams in the Vietnam episode where Sam tries to save his brother. Yeah, some of those. <laughs> 
were, were a little problematic. Uh, just a tad. Uh, Magic would be played by Ernie Hudson in the continuation show in 2022. Uh, brilliantly. I love Ernie Hudson. He's so good. I love seeing him and everything. Uh, by the fifth season, the show had explored almost every aspect of time traveling into someone else's life. Uh, so they turned to exploring the origins of leaping, becoming a little bit more meta. Uh, they introduced an evil leaper who tries to make right things wrong. The evil leaper. leaper. <laughs> just glad that the new show changed to Leaper X because it, it sounds so much, much better. better. It's still better than Evil Leaper. What's weird is Leaper X is actually Malcolm X. Oh, yeah. that makes so much more sense. Yeah, though. he didn't die. He he, he leapt. Leapt. Yeah, it's really kind of racist. And <laughs> in the first introduction of the evil leaper, when Sam and Aaliyah touch, they both realize who they are. Oh my god, Evil Leaper is the stupidest sounding thing ever. It would make a great name for a bad band. It would. Evil Leaper. The evil Leapers! Aaliyah seduces Sam, who is just excited to see, some, see someone else that is leaping like him. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. You're he, leaping like me. He thought he was the, the lone, lonely leaper, but he's not. I'm the lonely leaper. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, unfortunately, right after they have sex, Aaliyah then makes it look like Sam raped her instead of it being consensual. Well, that's not nice. Nope, not at that all. That makes her evil. <laughs> when Aaliyah is ordered to kill Sam, she hesitates and her and her hologram disappear in a frightening shimmer effect. Yeah, she got all like... <laughs> and they screamed. Yeah. yeah. A few episodes later, they aired a two-part episode on the same night called Return of the Evil Leaper and Revenge of the Evil Leaper. Ugh, it's a lot of Evil Leaper. So that some of the, just, just at this point, I want to point out that most of the titles for the episodes of Quantum Leap were not good. No, they were not. Uh, Aaliyah returns, and finally they touch, and Sam devises a way to get her out of leaping against her will. Sometimes by, when we touch, we leap way too much. Uh, by holding onto her when he leaps. Nice. Uh, it works, but they end up in it. Because apparently she's leaping. They torture her to make her do this. She okay. doesn't want to be doing it. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Now, how do they explain the hug leap of how they're able to leap together? I, I don't know. Because literally there's a, a, a hundred episodes where he's touching somebody else when he leaps. You, I think it's because she is a leaper that she's that they're able to leap together. You know You know how they explain it? How, how do they explain it? It's season five. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't know. <laughs> They're pretty sure they were going to get canceled by the yeah. end. Although they weren't entirely sure. Anyway, no, but at least they were it's, trying something they, new. Yeah, uh, it, it ends up working, but they end up in a women's prison, and Aaliyah's hologram leaps into the warden and ends up shooting Aaliyah, who was leaping at the time. Okay, first of all, this is one of the grossest episodes of. Quantum Leap. It, it was literally an 80s it was women's an, prison exploitation It was, it was like a softcore movie. That but just didn't have any sex in it. Exactly. The guard, the lady guard was like, yeah. so, God, every time she looked at it, she's like, eh, yeah. yeah, you're going you're gonna to wash those dishes. Get it from the ward and go give it to you. Go give it to you. Give it to you good. Uh, we get a weird confirmation that Aaliyah is safe, even though it's very obvious she took a shotgun yeah, shot to the gut. To the gut. So the... The other evil leaper, the truly evil leaper, yeah. who was the yeah. hologram, she gets shot and dies. Sam, Sam randomly picks up a rifle from nowhere and then <laughs> shoots her. I literally, it's literally was, like, where did that come from? One of the guards. He, he got it from the guard. It, 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 it was just like all of a sudden, it, there it was. It was, and, but it was. He did get it from a guard. But it's also like he's a prisoner. He grabs I, a guard's gun and, and shoots the warden, and all, nobody cares. They're all just standing around, like, do, do, is this where we start firing? Wait, what happened? Did you just shoot? Wait, did you just shoot the warden? <laughs> so. She dies. The, the, the evil hologram, now Leaper, dies. The truly Very evil. Very obviously Not dead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then she leaps out, 
and and then the warden leaps in and he's fine. Right. This is how you know that it's your own DNA coming through. All right. It yeah. just seems that seems weird too. It just doesn't seem like that. But I the thing is is that here's the thing. He randomly says to to some guard that was just helping them that knew Aaliyah's the person that Aaliyah jumped into, right. uh, Lisa or whatever her name was. Um, but she knew her. And so, like, Sam is stopping. It's a convicted prisoner that's escaped. A murderer, by the way. Murderer. They're letting him just chat with his guard <laughs> for, like, four minutes. You know me, don't you? Would I say anything like that? I, yeah. No, guess so, not. And then she's like, well, what happened? And he's like, well, I don't know. But we know that she's free. And it's like, yeah, she's dead. She's dead. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's why she was never in another episode. Well, look, She's man, dead. Death is, a, is sometimes I guess it's a, a sweet freeing, release of freedom. I guess. I guess. Um, I, just, I keep thinking that more and more every day. Uh, the Evil Leaper actually had been explored before in the season three episode, The Boogeyman, where Sam leaps into a writer in Maine, in which he inadvertently gives Stephen King a ton of his book ideas. Christine, what does yeah. that mean? Uh, he faces down an evil-looking owl who turns out to be an evil leaper. Mm, I don't know. Kind of? I think he's a ghost. I think he was a demon. Yeah, or a ghost or something. I mean, because it was the Halloween Yeah, because he's he. everyone around him ends up dying, and then Al is evil. And they're, it's such a great effect, too, of like them holding on each other while they're spinning. Yeah. And like Al's turning into all the people that are dead, and like eventually the wife who he thought was the killer. Well, there was a goat that was killing everybody. <laughs> That's the best. Is at one point he's literally holding onto a goat's throat as they're spinning around. Yeah, so I think – I don't necessarily think that was an evil leaper. I think that was somehow uh, the – the ghost of the lady I, that killed herself or whatever that got killed in the house. I always went more on the side of the fact that it wasn't God doing this and that this is just like we opened up a new thing where it's like, well, this is what happens when you time travel. Maybe. So I, I always will err on the side of it not being religiously mystical rather than and then it being just some kind of – but who knows? It was the I 90s, mean, baby. It was a lot of Christian. Look at what happened. <laughs> A lot of people got mad about stuff. Uh, also in season five, Sam leaps under the body of his great-grandfather in 1862 and must woo his great-grandmother who possibly, uh, without pos- before being erased from his existence. All right, Grammy. i got to make out with you now. God. Ugh. Uh, and, you know, at the beginning, we're like, oh, man, she's a slave-owning racist. She's yeah. a, but she was an underground railroad lady, and she was a good, 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 good person. But I don't think she knew about it. She did. Oh, okay. She did. She just pretended like she, she pretend didn't. she didn't. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Because uh, you know she had such strong ties with the the uh, Isaac. Yeah, was he the the, the rebel dude or the? Oh no 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 no! That was the slave that was helping everybody. Right, right. But well, no, she's the, tight with the, him. Yeah, but the guy who the the militia dude who yeah, was yeah. going around all the time. She had to yeah. fake it, but yeah, I mean she she knew about it because she ended up. Yeah, running away. With she all ran of that. north, and, and then she could have stayed, had babies, and then and then Isaac turns out to be the great grandfather or grandfather, no, no, great grandfather of Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, that was a kind of shoehorned in there. <laughs> I think I'll take the name King. And then the the look on <laughs> poor Scott Backlund's face. Well, I think that's a great name. I think that's a great name. It, yeah, because Al realizes that it's the great grandfather of oh, Stephen King Jr. But, but Martin he, Luther King. But he Jr. missed it, uh, Martin Luther King, because he didn't say Martin Luther King. No, Jr. but he said that guy has a son who has a famous name, and then that guy has a son. Oh, no. And then yeah, I think they were lazy and they didn't do the research. Uh, he said his, he should have said Junior. Yeah, he should have. 
so, but apparently the whole jumping back to 1862 doesn't break the rules of leaping, as it ex- explained very repeatedly in the first three episodes of the series, uh, where you can only jump within your own lifetime because right. of the way the string theory is set sure. up. But apparently because it's ge- he genetically is identical, his great-grandfather has his DNA, which is impossible. Right. But apparently that was enough to make him leap there. Well, the Civil War was very popular at that time. Because it was. Ken it Burns' was. documentary yeah. was short well, before and that. And Gettysburg yeah. and, and – uh, well, then eventually, like, God, the Monsters. Glory. Was Glory was a big yeah. one, too. That came in 89. Yeah. I mean, it was a big deal. I mean, I, I, I get it. I you get could it. tell. You could. It's just like in Six Million Dollar Man, you could tell what <laughs> fad they read about in the newspaper because it was on that show that yeah. week. Yeah. It was, what movie did they watch before they wrote the Driving Miss Daisy episode? Or right. The, right. <laughs> it was, <laughs> hey, guys, I saw this great movie at home. Ripped from the box office. It's called the, the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> we should totally do an episode about that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, in the season four opener, a lightning strike at Pron- Project Quantum Leap causes Al to jump to 1945, and Sam is able to go home. It's really fun to watch him be a hologram at the beginning of that episode. Yeah, he's so confused. Well, no, he's having a blast. Like, oh, I just saw the very beginning where he's he like jumping, realizes, th- you know, yeah. walking through stuff, right, and right. he's like walking through, and Al's like, cut it out. <laughs> Uh, they actually show Gucci, uh, Tina, and Ziggy for the first time uh, in the season four opener. I actually had to go back. It's funny because I started watching the season four opener. I had to go back and watch the season three finale because nope. I literally was like, what is going on? Yeah. And, and that one was the season three finale. I don't know if you watched that one where he gets uh, shock therapy. Isn't an insane asylum? Mm. And he ends up becoming uh, other people he'd leapt into. Oh. So, like, they couldn't get a lock on him. And, and Al is like spinning and or no that was in the finale but Al, they couldn't get a lock on him and then because the brainwave patterns right but they end up using that later with um with the evil leaper yeah. when they're trying to they hypnotize her into thinking she's somebody else right <sighs> now look again i love this show i love this show so much adam if you hypnotize somebody you automatically change their brainwaves it's, you didn't know that it just, it just i criticize the show i'm critical of the show i shouldn't say criticize i critical of the show because i love the show so much wait a minute um wait a minute her brain her, her brain waves are gone and They've been re- replaced by a chicken. Yeah. The brainwaves of a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's part of the fun, though. You I know, know, I know. I, don't get me wrong. It, it, the show's very, I, I mean, I love it. It's I'm sure a, as a kid, you weren't questioning any of it. I don't think I watched any of this for 30 years. Yeah. So, like, watching it again, it was like, wow, I just bought into everything. Uh, so the ratings for Quantum Leap started very strong, but NBC couldn't find a proper time slot for the show. The first episode aired Sunday at 9 p.m. and then a week later moved to Friday at 9 p.m. for four episodes. And then a week and a half later aired the last three episodes of season one on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Which is a weird time slot. A 10 p.m. time slot seems a little too late for that. Yeah. I mean, it's before. I mean, for a long time that was like the prime because it's right before the news and it was like the last thing people would watch. But I, but yeah, it, it just it should have been earlier. It should have been a Sunday show. Like Sunday that. show's perfect, but it also but that was against the Simpsons, which was juggernaut yeah, back then. Yeah, and uh, it it seems like Friday night would have worked well for that show at like eight o'clock or something. Yeah, because it's a show for nerds and kids. Yeah, and it's like yeah. that's or Sunday's good. It's just when you keep moving a show around. No, y- that yeah. kills it. It no. kills it. Uh, it did find success on Wednesdays at ten p.m. The entire second season aired at that time. It then moved to Friday at 8 p.m. for the first half of season three, then moved back to Wednesday at 10 p.m. for the second half of season three and all of season four. Okay, what happens is 
Network executives are idiots. And yeah, if yeah. a show starts having success in a time period, they're like, oh, this is a successful show. Let's put it into another time period that doesn't have success, and then right. we'll boost up our ratings there. But then everybody likes watching it at that one time yeah, frame because yeah. it doesn't uh, con- conflict with other shows that they like right, or whatever, right. and they get used to it, and it's part of their ritual. And then they break it up to try to boost ratings for that night, and it ends up killing the show that is – an, an otherwise successful show, right? They end up murdering it because yeah, they want strangling wanted... it because yeah. it it's not it was successful that time for a reason. Yes, exactly. And it's you, you can't just keep bopping stuff you around just, and expecting people to follow it. God, constantly the eighties, late eighties, and the nineties, they constantly just shifting, shifting, shifting. Yeah, because there were super nights like Thursday nights were NBCs for fifteen yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. The must-see TV, must-see TV, you know, Friends, yeah. Seinfeld, you yeah. know, all the way to Parks and Rec, and yeah, the office, and, then, and ABC did it with Friday nights with yeah. the uh, all those family shows, yeah, Step by Step, Step and, and, uh, and Family Matters, Family Matters, and, yeah, you know, yeah, and My Two Dads, and for years yeah. they had uh, TGIF, yeah, TGIF, yeah, yeah. So season five started on Tuesday at eight p.m. until the last episode of the series, which aired on Wednesday at nine p.m. Because why not? Uh, the finale had the fourth highest ratings uh, for the entire season, only being beaten out by the two-hour premiere and the premiere of season four, which featured Sam leaping back into himself in the present. Then the two-hour one was that the the Lee Harvey Oswald? Uh, no the the no the two-hour premiere was the very beginning of the show. Oh, okay. The uh, very, very beginning of the show. Not the two-hour season five No, premiere. no, no, no. Uh, sorry, I meant to say the entire series. Oh, okay. The finale had the fourth highest ratings for the entire series. Oh, oh that makes sense. Only being beaten out by the two-hour premiere and the premiere of season four, which was the the one where he uh, goes in 1945 and, and Al starts leaping. Right, right. Yeah. Quantum Leap, they, they pushed that really hard to see, like, he finally goes home, and so people watched it. Well, again, like, with the Lee Harvey Oswald, that was... Again, the resurgence of the whole JFK conspiracy, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you had the Oliver Stone film, yeah. and you know everybody was talking about all oh, everybody but Oswald did it, and it was interesting yeah. that they they were no, he did it, yeah, and you know it's it's he, he either he did it or he tried to do it. And he definitely fired his yes. gun, and then either and I it think was, he definitely hit him, yeah, um, and then there's the theory that the Secret Service. Accidentally Agent accidentally him. Yeah. shot him, and that's where the magic bullet comes from, which yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but it's but even if that hadn't happened, Oswald would have fired again. And yes, him. I mean that would have been the end. Oswald was not a good person. No, no, he was not. <laughs> Just talk to his wife and how much he used to beat her. He was awful. Uh, I mean, he read Pravda for Christ's sake. Yeah, well, don't do that in front of Donald <laughs> B. Pelissari, or he'll beat you raw. Uh, so Quantum Leap ended up moving time slots eight times during the course of its run. And that is just awful. Talk about kneecapping a success. I mean, that's just. Well, that's the problem is they kept interfering in shows. It just. And the problem is, too, is every time that they would get a new network president in. Yeah. They'd have to. I've got better ideas. Exactly. They had to get rid of everything that the predecessor did. Have you tried putting it on 7 a.m. on Monday morning? Yes, I think it should be on at uh, 4 a.m. on a Saturday. That's brilliant. Nobody's watching anything else at that point. We'll dominate. <laughs> at the end of season five, Belisario was told to write an episode that could serve as a season finale or series finale, as, as it was unclear whether Quantum Leap would be renewed. That's a horrible uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> message to get. Hey, we haven't decided yet, so make sure it can end if it ends, because we're not giving you a movie. It's, you know, it's funny, because I, I worked on like four seasons of uh, One Tree Hill, and right. it was that way 
every single oh, yeah. season. Yeah. It was like, well, this might end as a series or you know, might end the series, whatever. But most series yeah. are on the bubble all yeah. the time. You know, You're, not every show is Seinfeld. No. no. Every show. Friends. Yeah. It's that horrible period between renewals. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And you're waiting. And, and then sometimes they don't even tell you till the last second. Yeah. Yeah. You could be on set getting ready to film the new season, and they'll and pull the like, plug. Nope, just kidding. But yeah. you cowards. That actually happened recently with uh, Minx. Yeah. They were literally on set when she got the news, and then it was like, well, I'm not going to tell anybody, but this is the last episode we're filming. But I think that went to a different... It went to stars, I think. They're, yeah. They're gonna... And it got canceled, too. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, that's a shame. That was a pretty fun show. Yeah, it that. did one season on stars, I think, but it got canceled. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Jake Johnson was really good, and that was an interesting show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the finale episode contains some answers to longstanding questions about the show, but contained enough ambiguity for a season six. I'm going to disagree with that and say it did not answer anything. <laughs> After having watched it again, I still don't really know. I mean, it didn't really answer anything. No, it didn't. It, I it, mean, it gave more idea to the fact that he had more control over it than he thought. Right. But he felt like he had to, this man of science had to answer to a higher power. But it also implies that there are other leapers, you know, because uh, yes. that one guy yes. leaps out after he saves everybody. Yeah. And, and then nobody knows who he is, but he doesn't just leap out of the body. He, the whole body leaps out of the bar. Because most likely he was dead. Or he fulfilled his purgatory or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. was able to move to on. Get out. Yeah. And I, you know, and if you're going to look at it in, in a religious way and that, that Bruce McGill was God, yeah. then basically... What McGill said was, look, man, you can stop this and go home right. at any time. Right. It's your own guilt or your own your, your own serv- your, your save, dedication savior service. complex. Yeah. yeah. Your own, exactly. Your yeah. own savior complex that is keeping you leaping. You could go home at any time. He's like, I don't believe that. Well, he wanted he wanted to, to go help Al. Like that was and, and he obviously. See, that's the, that's the other thing, too, that like at the end, the coolest thing about the ending was that it was him realizing that he could go wherever he wanted. Right. Because he did. Yeah. Like he went and saved Al's first marriage. Well, they gave Al a happy ending and they gave they didn't give Sam a happy. ending. No. So we but got a half a happy ending and we didn't get to even see the stupid happy ending. We just got to read it. Yeah, I know. I know. So if the series was to end, Belisario originally planned to have Al and Beth as an old married couple discussing how they would locate Sam, who had leapt again. Had the series continued, Belisario planned to have Sam leap into a space station in the d- distant future and Al becoming a leaper himself to rescue Sam. Okay, interesting. Uh, when the show was not renewed, two title cards were tacked on the end of the last episode. One read that Al's wife, first wife, Beth, never remarried, so they were still married in the present day and had four daughters. Okay. And, uh, oh, that was one the of them, show that he was, oh, look. the He the, became not a womanizer. Yeah, and he had four daughters to... To make up for this womanizing, yeah, and which uh, one of the daughters actually is in the new series? Yeah, yeah. she uh, she comes she she works on the project. Yes, I, or works for the government that helps fund the project. Or something. I think at the beginning she's kind of underground. Yeah, uh, not necessarily on the project, but ancillary, trying to stop it or something. Yeah, and then she ends up joining them. I yeah, think because okay. I kind of jumped around on the yeah. new one a little yeah. bit just to kind of get some flavor. Sure. Uh, the last title card said. Sam Beckett never returned home. Uh, and just to note, the Sam Beckett on that title card was spelled wrong. <laughs> yes, so, yeah, it's so lame. And then nobody's ever fixed it. Nope. I mean, that's what it blows my mind. It was literally NBC decided the last minute to cancel the series yeah. 
Both Donald B- P. Belisario and Scott Bakula just hated the way it ended. Uh, the finale was met by viewers with very mixed feelings. It's still debated now, uh, as far as I know. Um, so, hey guys, I, Hi. Bob here. Now, you know, I worked in TV too, and um, look, we knew you liked the show, and then we had to ruin it. That's just what we do. We yeah. like to take something that people love and eventually turn them against it so they hate it because it's too profitable. So and we need a write off. So 28 years later, you could bring it back and capitalize yeah. on it again? We're not going to change that title card, by the way. <laughs> you know, that would cost us uh, $14. We just don't have the money. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, Bob. My kids smell uh, weird. Yeah, they do. Okay. <laughs> you smell weird. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Along with 43 nominations, Quantum Leap received 17 awards, including six Emmys. It got four for cinematography, one for hairstyling, and one for makeup. Nice. A bunch of books and comic books were written to expand the lore of the show. In July 2002, the Sci-Fi Channel, which at the time was airing reruns of the show, announced development of a two-hour television film based on Quantum Leap that would have served as a backdoor pilot for a new series with Belisario as executive producer. Okay. Unfortunately, it never went anywhere. Uh, in July 2010, during the TV Guide panel at the San Diego Comic-Con, Scott Beckley said that Belisario was working on a script for a pro- projected Quantum Leap feature film. Nice. Belisario confirmed in October 2017 at the LA Comic-Con that he had finished the script. Right on! Unfortunately, it never went anywhere. Oh! Yeah. In January 2020, Jeff Bader, NBC's head of programming, planning, and strategy, announced that net- the network was considering a re- reboot of Quantum Leap. Not a reboot. Or a reboot. Uh, that's <laughs> which what apparently I say that all the time. Well, that's what... Uh, People paddle down rivers in Canada. A, ro- a reboot. They're getting into my reboot, eh? Uh, they were going to do a reboot of Quantum Leap for the launch of its Peacock streaming service. In January 2022, NBC greenlit a pilot episode of Quantum Leap sixth season revival. Uh, Belisari actually worked on the revival. Nice. The pilot would take place 30 years after the conclusion of the original series with the new team reviving Project Quantum Leap to understand both it and the fate of Sam Beckett. Raymond Lee was signed to star in the pilot in the role of Dr. Ben Song, the person that ends up traveling back in time through the Quantum Leap project. He's very good. He's very charismatic. I like him a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ernie Hudson was cast as Herbert Magic Williams, the lead of the new Quantum Leap program, and a Vietnam War veteran whom Sam leaped into in the season three episode Leap Home Part Two, Vietnam. Ooh. Uh, NBC gave the green light for a full season order in May of 2022. Nice. And it premiered on September 19th, 2022, airing on Monday nights. Uh, in September of 2022, the, around the time that it premiered, original series st- star Scott Bakula confirmed that he had been asked by producers to reprise his role as Sam Beckett in the revival, but ultimately decided to not be involved in the new series, saying in a statement on Instagram, As the show has always been near and dear to my heart, it was a very difficult decision to pass on the project. Well, they are now into a season two, and I feel like... Cha-ching, cha-ching. <laughs> Scott yeah. Bakula is probably going to be on the show oh, at some 100%. point. 100%. He was just waiting to see if it was going to be a success because he yeah. didn't want to lend himself to a poo-poo platter. So now that the show's taken off, I'm sure he's going to be on it. I hope he is. I really do because this is the best kind of resurgence of a show. Exactly. Where you don't discount the first show. No. You build upon it. Build. That's and, the important part. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's a really great complimentary series to the show. It really feels like the new show is doing what they were trying to do in season five. Right. Of, like, giving it more mythology and, like, expanding out, like, a larger story. Rather than just being an anthology sure. series, like, giving it an actual, like, storyline. Well, like, the whole reason... Because in the pilot episode, his wife is supposed to be the jumper. Yeah, yeah. She's been training to do the jumping... And she's about to do the first jump. Leaping. Leap. Leaping, sorry. The leapers. She's a leaper. Um, 
And then they go out on this date. They have this party or whatever. There's a, it's his birthday. It's his yeah. birthday party, and they have this good time. And then boom. Well, he he gets all these text messages. Right. And, and then he just he runs. Disappears, and he does the leap without telling anybody why. Yeah, and, and then he gives her a, a voice message or a video message saying, "I'm sorry, I had to do it. You'll understand why eventually." And we do, and yeah. it's and it makes sense why he did it. Um, but it's I like the new cast. I think they have some really interesting, I, uh, yeah, people involved. And I think the two leads, the the um, I don't know her name, the one who plays uh, uh, Augustine, right? Uh, they're both really good. The, the great chemistry. The, yeah, they're really good. They have great chemistry. Sam had a good heart. He did, and it didn't matter. He did. What color creed? Sexual orientation, whatever you were, no, he always did the right thing, and he was always on the side of what was right. Yeah, you you were worthy of saving, regardless of who you were. Um, you know, it's it 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 was about making humanity better, right? And that was that was the thing that that I really appreciated in the finale of him talking to Bruce McGill, uh, maybe Al or maybe God, whoever. Yeah, but he, you know, he's like, oh yeah, I was supposed to do this to like change the world, and and. He's like, what have I done? I've just, ta- you know, I've talked to a few people. And, and he's like, yeah, like, but, no, but, those, but they talk to people. And they, they talk to they people. Talk to people and they out. talk to people. And then it was like, you know, you're spreading positivity everywhere. Right. And he enjoys saving people. And, and you know, like Bruce McGill said, if he wants to stop it, stop it. Yeah. It's yeah he to can. He totally can. And I think the reason why he doesn't want to believe it is because it gives him a, an excuse not to stop it. Right, right, you know? right. Because it, he wants to believe it's out of his control. Because right, because he can't bear the weight of the fact that he has to fix everything. Oh, it must be exhausting, man. I mean, you you don't really like stay anywhere long enough to get I, some I mean, sleep. He's, he's got to sleep sometimes. Where? I uh, well, I mean, I'm, there's obviously parts. <laughs> The show that we're not seeing. I'm just saying, it's like it would be nice to leap into a cabin for a couple just, of weeks, and and the thing you have to fix is the you know the 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 TV, so you yeah, can watch yeah, it. Yeah, I I just love the the episode because that was the same thing because it started uh, the episode with Neil Patrick Harris with the the greaser racer guys, oh, and like the, the, he jumps into this like you know nerdy kid nerd and. Uh, he goes up and there the lady at the the sock hop the car hop uh, is like comes out and she's like here's your regular meal and it's like two cheeseburgers and a fries and a milkshake and a soda and he just looks at it and it's just like oh, oh just yeah. mouths down on one of the burgers that must have been fun yeah it's uh, he Scott Bakula is the perfect guy for this part. yeah and just you know just like our last one I think they cast it perfectly yeah and like we said. He makes up for whatever shortcomings they have because you just root for him. Yeah, you, he, yeah, you want him to succeed. And Bakula has he can portray earnestness and forthrightness in a way that doesn't make me want to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't get drippy and schmaltzy. Yes, and, it isn't and just melodramatic. Exactly. Yeah. You know, sometimes it goes in that route. And man, they the writing tried really hard to go that way. Oh man, <laughs> a lot the of trilogy times. went super yeah. melodramatic. A few times. And my God, what was the episode we were, I guess it was the finale where it's like, I'm finally winning an Emmy because I'm going to cry oh, 16 yeah, times. Yeah. He cried a lot. Well, it was also like, you know, they shot it for five years. Like, I get like, it. Look, man, can you, we got to cut out one of the cries. <laughs> this is just too much crying. No, it's just how I am. I'm getting an Emmy. God damn it. This is yeah. my last chance. 
Uh, I love the show. I love time travel. I love, I love, for me, it was different aspects. I had I'd definitely gone into time travel before this, like right. Back to the Future and stuff like that. But, like, this was such a different aspect of time mm-hmm. travel that hasn't really been explored too much otherwise. Like, no, it's, it, it was one of the first shows to deal with string theory, which was yeah. very, yeah. uh, Rare at the time. People didn't yeah. really know a lot about it. Didn't know a lot about quantum entanglement or quantum right. physics. Right. And it did it in a way that was easily digestible. And, yeah. You know, yeah. And follow along pretty easily. And I don't – I watched Quantum Leap when it was on. I, I would catch mm. it, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, it wasn't yeah. something that I had to see. I was in college for most of it. and and uh, But I, I really enjoyed watching it again. Yeah. And yeah. and I was like, oh, I'll watch a couple episodes just to familiarize myself with mm-hmm. it. But I ended up watching thirty like, or so, probably like half the shows. Yeah, yeah because yeah. I got sucked in, and I really enjoyed it, and it was really fun. And it again is a great time capsule yeah. of the late '80s, early '90s. And it was really fun to watch how TV changed from the '70s. Yeah. To the late 80s, 90s, like to see what we went through from the laid back <laughs> 70s and after we went through the rah rah Reagan uh, 80s, where we were at. Right, right. And a lot of what, you know, what was on there was backlash to the Reagan 80s and also yeah. continuing of that kind of patriotic. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. The uh, thing, because he, you know, he's very much a patriot. He's very much, uh, you know, when he goes home, it's just like a. Oh, George, you're doing, Dad. I got everything done. Please oh, love yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was so, the very, I mean, the pilot, the the two-hour pilot, like him, you know, calling his dad and then like, yeah, I'm your your dad's brother's son and my name's Sam, too. And yeah, it's, like, it's so crazy. The guy's still like, oh, okay, well, right, if you're ever well, in town, stop by. And, why don't you come here for Thanksgiving? <laughs> you crazy weirdo. Uh, yeah, it's, I just love the show. It's so good. And you can easily bounce around it. There's no reason, you know, there's definitely things that change sure. as the show progresses. There are but, a few through lines in the yeah, show. But, but very rare. And, and it's, and it's good. It's fun. I mean, to the, to the extent that at the end of the first season, he leaps into a woman and that's the end of the first yeah. season. And then the second season starts and that episode that he leaps on that woman isn't until like the fourth episode. Yeah. So even they were like, "Yeah, whatever, it's fine." Like he can jump around, it's fine. Yeah. It, yes. Uh, they play a little fast and loose with the rules, but that's yeah. fine. I mean, you you have to do that. And again, we've talked about this at nauseum. If you yeah. really start dissecting any time travel product, right, you're going to go insane, and you're going to end up. Destroying oh, it yeah, because yeah. none you, of it stands no, up to scrutiny. No, Even the best, most thought out, <laughs> you know, time the, travel. The most intricate, most thought out time travel movie ever is Primer. Yeah. And go ahead. Try to figure out, even with help, that movie is so confusing. You mean even with a primer? <laughs> it's so confusing. <laughs> I love that movie so much, but I literally, every time I watch it, it's like watching it for the first time. Yeah. Because it's so confusing. And we've spoken about Loki and how that does a really good job. It of, did a great job, uh, yeah. Justifying time travel and talking yeah. about it. And it's it's just such a neat uh, concept. I just, it, it's it's fun. It's fun that you started out with this show is it's funny that this was, you know, one of your first loves because it is such a dramatic adult I, show. I, I know. It's I some, know. you could, you could see which episodes were on at eight and which ones were on at 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's also such a, it's a smart show and it, it, 
it shows in you that it was like important to your yeah, to, to, origin to story. Me. Yeah, you know to what who I mean? I am. And yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, you have very good morals that aren't yeah. based in any sort of theology or anything. It's just right. doing the right, right thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think I do too. And I think, you know, much as I got mine from Steve Austin, I think you got yours from Sam Beckett. I did. I did. He did. And your yeah. parents, of course. And my, <laughs> yes, yes. But it was, but it was good. He was a good example. I mean, yes. he was a good person to look up to. Yes. Because he was always doing the right thing. Yes. And, and sometimes the detriment of others, you know, and friends, like, yeah. like when he could have saved Al from a POW camp, but didn't because he wanted to save his brother. And Al's like, yeah, I get it. Human. You're human. Yeah. Uh, you know. But yeah, he's, it's, it's. He was a very human hero, and I think those are the best kind. I it helped me realize that I care about people, mm-hmm. and that you know I want I want to help people succeed. And, yeah, yeah. And that was Sam Beckett. Like he he wanted to have everybody have the best in their lives. But I also a little <laughs> uh, just to give us a little bit of a devil's advocate here. <laughs> I also think a lot of these shows that we watch also. Uh, added to our hero complex. Uh, yes, yes, you know, for sure. Which finally got rid of, which is oh, very I, detrimental. Good, good twenty years. I had a savior complex. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I think it's a very cool sounding horrible mental illness. <laughs> it but is. I think you know if that comes from trauma and that comes from yeah. life, but I think it exacerbates it because so many of the heroes. Always do the right thing. Always sacrifice. Yeah. Always, you know. And people aren't like that. No, you know? no, no. Uh, yes, no. people are heroes and people do the right thing, but nobody yeah. is selfless. And if you're 100% selfless, then it's not I, even authentic, if yeah, that makes no, sense. No. Because you're only doing it because... It's, it comes off like, obviously, you, you, know, you, <laughs> you need this for some reason. Right. Like, it's weird. Right, and I think, I think he had that. I think there was uh, something yeah. in his... Past or whatever. And look, I think it comes from his sister marrying a abusive alcoholic yeah. and his brother his dying brother of Vietnam. Dying. And, and his dad dying of a heart attack. And being like, helpless. Yeah, not being able to do anything to stop any he of it. Couldn't him. save any of his family. And then yeah. when he gets back and given a chance to do that and he tries so hard and his dad's just like, get off my back. Yeah. I'm going to smoke my ciggies. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to eat my eats. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to live life. I'm the healthiest man in the world. You're yeah. not going to tell yeah. me to stop. <laughs> You know, and how do you tell an 11-year-old girl, hey, don't marry that guy in 10 yeah, years because yeah. he's going to be a jerk. So I get it. And, you know, maybe he's, in my opinion, he's trying to make up for the fact that he couldn't save his family yeah. and he's trying to save everybody else. I agree. And and at the end of the show, and this is what I would find really fascinating about the end of the show, is that technically he didn't learn the lesson. No. Like he could have, if he had just accepted the fact that he had no control then he would have left home and he would have been fine. Or that he had control. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That he had control over his own destiny. And that's that's the part that he's afraid of, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean no control in the fact that things happen to people and sure. you can't stop that. Yes. He has like, no control over... He needs to be able to let go of certain things and realize that he needs to take care of himself. Right. And then he can't save everybody because he's not God. Yeah. You know, he's just a yeah. dude, a guy with a good heart, but... You know, you're gonna burn out. Yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna hate people. Well, he can't be God because we all know Bruce McGill is God. Yeah. Well, he also says he? no. He, no. <laughs> he pretty much definitively yeah, said no. Wouldn't Wouldn't God say no? I don't think so. God's not a dick. I would hope. But God wants him to realize he needs to discover these things on his own. I think it was 
I don't I don't, don't believe it's God. <laughs> so I think it was like a way station that. for for I think as time went on more people leapt. Yeah. And I oh, think yeah, that, yeah. that these people were leapers, you know, that Yeah, yeah. I mean they were yeah. I think it was it was a weird Yeah. I mean, this is why I'm really hoping that Scott Bakula comes back for the new show because oh, yeah. I like the idea that he realized he could leap wherever he wanted to yeah. and like have that work into the, the overall story of the show. Right. Um, you know, cause obviously there's more people leaping cause there's evil leapers. So like <laughs> evil leapers. obviously there's more people leaping. They have yeah. other technology that might've been from even f- th- further in the future. You know I mean? But like they're, Obviously, for whatever reason. And Grant, I haven't gotten to the Leaper X stuff yet in, in the new show. So. Well, if you've watched the movie Terminator, <laughs> I think you know the plot. Yeah. They even make fun of themselves for yeah. completely yeah. ripping off the plot yeah. Terminator. But whatever. I, I'm excited to watch more of the show. Uh, I had stayed away from it because I thought it was going to be another kind of awful Soulless remake, remake. like Magnum P.I. Yeah. Like, just like, who cares? Let's but, take a beloved character and ruin him. But they, or her. they're doing a great job, and I, I'm excited to watch more of it. I, well, because I, they did the right thing, yeah. right? They, yeah. they made it a continuation rather than a re, re, a reboot. A reboot. And a remake, <laughs> uh, which always ruins it for people because, yeah. you know, the best way to do it is to continue the story rather yeah. than yeah. negate the it's, story. It's acknowledging that it's still there and appreciating it. And then and and, and, and this is the best kind of storyline to do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's the easiest way, yeah. like because it's an anth- and it's a great show because it's different every week, and you can yeah. do whatever genre you want. It's a lot of fun. It's super fun. All right, well, that's all I got. Uh, what a fun time watching that! It was good. I'm so glad you got so much into it. Yeah. I, I was really thought you're just gonna be like, eh, eh. I thought so too, but it's it's really fun show, and it's a very unique show. And I forgot how charming Scott Bakula is. Oh, he's so good, even and though he's Dean so Stockwell. weird looking. God, he's so good. I mean, Bakula's got a weird face. He does. You know, you know that that's the best is that he leaps and then he has that like gray, a and weird it, little gray, thing. and he doesn't realize it until literally the last that's episode the, of the show. Oh, here my gray. And he's like, oh my god. Well, that was the funny thing too about when he saw the the reflection of his great 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 grandfather. He had the right. same little skunky, the little yeah, the little gray little thing gray in thing. there. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I can't imagine leaping for five years straight and never. Being able to see yourself in a mirror. Yeah. Like, it's weird. Yeah, he only saw himself maybe once. Would he look down? Would he see his own hands? No. He would just see the... I mean, I, I don't know. So, again, going too deep into it. Because he... That's the thing. It just feels like the essence leaps into the body rather than yeah. the whole body does. And that's why it seems weird to me that your DNA leaps into somebody No, it's your body. whole body. It is literally your whole body is leaping. It, it is. It's just the outside spirit aura stays. So that way, I think he's a quantum creep. <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to cover our last first love. Yeah, Stephen uh, King, the Stephen early King. years. Oh yeah, yes. volume one, seventies and eighties. Stephen King. So excited about this. Oh my goodness, going to give you the creeps. It uh, it does go. It goes a little into the the nineties a little bit, but uh, but it's good stuff. Yeah, it's our first foray into King. We're definitely going to probably have a King month, and we're going to. Oh, know, we, there's so many of his movies we need to. We got to do cover. the movies, yeah. and we're only doing the '80s in the writing, and that means yeah. we have 40 more years. And and uh, and I'll talk a little bit about uh, his latest book, Holly, which I finished. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm which about is great. Five books behind, I think. What's really funny is I've realized, or I've noticed, um, or realized, could be both, sure. uh, that when I read his books now, I'll get to about 
20, 30, maybe 100 pages left, and I'll stop because I don't want to finish it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'll wait, 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 and then and I'll finish then finally, it. And finally, like, okay, okay. You know, and that's what I did with this one and the, the fairy tales, the last one, because I didn't want them to end. Yeah. And uh, so good. Still, still writing amazing yeah, work. Yeah, still, still fantastic. Yeah, baby. All right, we'll come back next week for that. Come back for the Evil Leapers. <laughs> evil Leaper. It's such a bad, it doesn't make any sense because it doesn't fit with the. You're doing the song this time, my friend. And near virtuistic, wow, and near virtuistic, 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 istic, yeah, virtuistic musical talent. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, The Incredible Hulk, already in progress. 